This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It is, oh, well, as, what did they say? Oh, to be born in uh, eventful times. We are in some eventful times. Uh, you know, I'm, I was looking back. One of my favorite uh, pamphleteers of all time was Thomas Paine. He had a way with words. And, of course, the famous one, American Crisis, begins. These are the times that try men's souls. These are the times. It seems like one thing after another is uh, facing our country. So we'll talk in a few moments with John Schlafly. He's got a column out about Afghanistan. We will also uh, visit and talk with a, um, a great uh, a man, Adam Andrzejewski. Adam Andrzejewski, who is uh, the uh, fa- uh, a fa- founder and head of Open the Books. Open the Books. We'll talk about transparency. So all that and more. First, we need to cover what you need to know today, what you need to know today. And it's all about Joe Biden. And look, at this point, I don't think it's helpful. Well, let's go ahead and march through this. I mean, we have had now dueling interviews. Uh, President Trump did some interviews, Hannity, and also uh, one of the other stations. I can't remember which one. I saw clips of it. Uh, also, Biden has done Good Morning America, I think. And he's uh, he's also spoken to Stephanopoulos. I think that's right. Or maybe those are the same ones. But he's, he's done some interviews. And um, here's what we can say. Uh, accountability is required. And you can't fire the president. You can't fire him in the middle of his term. So the president has to hold some people accountable. And whoever the people are that have to be held accountable, there's a couple different choices because there was no reason, there is no reason that the Afghanistan withdrawal should have turned out this disastrous. Now, let me be clear. I am in the camp that says that withdrawing from Afghanistan completely was always going to lead to a certain amount of uncertainty and even chaos afterwards. But it didn't have to happen in the 72 hours afterwards. In other words, you know, as Donald Trump put out a statement, he said um, the order, you know, all Biden had to do was do this in order. You know, you take out the civilians, you take out the material, you take out the military and you're gone. And it's a little a little less simple than that. But we certainly have now a clear indication that the military leaders and all the other leaders in the White House, as well as the military leaders, did not have a, a plan for if it went this fast. And so we're now stuck in a situation that is not just demeaning and not just terrifying. It's demeaning for to the world that we look demeaned, our country, but it's terrifying and, 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 and terrible for the people that are stuck. Okay, so now all that's true, but let's just stop and say, where are we in terms of this president? What is it about his judgment and his conduct in the last four days, three and a half days, that has been so flawed? Is it stubbornness, perhaps? Is it uh, incompetence or a, a lack of understanding? Maybe. But at this point, it's lack of accountability. He is not being accountable to the country, to the world, to anyone. He's actually hiding. Biden is hiding. Biden is hiding and he's trying to escape from what's happened by moving where he is. He goes, he goes, first he's in Camp David, then he comes to the White House, goes back to Camp David, comes back to the White House. Now he's going to Delaware. He's hoping for a change of his change of scenery. He's doing. He's hoping for a change of topic for about a minute. People ran around and said, oh, my gosh, there was perhaps a bomber up on the uh, on the, the Capitol near the Capitol. It turns out I think he was a crazy man. I don't think there's any evidence that it was a bomber, but who knows? We'll find out more. But the uh, the front page of the um, of the left leaning uh, uh, channels uh, like the Politico are trying to cover anything else. The FTC stood Facebook. Okay, good enough. But 
at this point, Biden is hiding from what's happening. He is hiding from what's occurring. The world leaders are speaking on the subject of Afghanistan and Biden is not. He's hiding. He's stepping back. Now, I know if you're a political person, you do things like, uh, what was it? Um, I guess it was Wednesday. If you're a political animal, you do things like Wednesday where you send the president of the United States out and you try to change the topic by having the president give a forceful speech on masks and COVID and Delta and taking on Republican governors who are not doing the right things in your mind. And you hope that you change the subject, but you can't change the subject when the recurrence of the subject is images of people trapped behind uh, the, the left behind in Afghanistan and all of these different issues. The reporting now is that Boris Johnson, the prime minister of England to Britain, tried to call uh, a Biden and Biden wouldn't take his call. At a certain point, if you're a senator, you can stop answering calls. You can stop showing up on the floor. You can go back to your office or go to your hideaway or go to your home and no one can make you come and cast your vote or answer a question. But that's because you're in the legislative branch. If you're a senator, you can, you, you have, no one can make you answer a question. No one can make you pick who's accountable. If someone on your staff uh, gives you a bad bill and you file it or gives you bad advice or hands you bad questions or whatever, you, no one can force you to hold anyone accountable. You are, in fact, an island when you're a senator. You're an island. And it's extremely powerful. It's extremely intoxicating. It's extremely uh, heady. It's actually extremely important. Because even your own voters have to wait five and a half years if you were just reelected or six years in six year terms or four years or two years. And in fact, even then, you can either not run for reelection and still not answer the question, answer, be accountable. You can run and hide from it, whatever you want. But as a senator, the universe of influence that you have is entirely a universe that you can operate and control and dominate. And if you want to become a a, a black hole and disappear, you can. No one can make you go to the floor of the Senate and vote or go to the uh, press room and speak. No one. It's very powerful. But Joe Biden, for what, uh, from the early 70s, mid-70s, until he became uh, uh, the uh, vice president in 2009, so somewhere around, I don't know, what was it, uh, 30, uh, 32 years, he could be... He could be the, the, the senator. He could become a black hole. No one could stop him. He could hide and no one could stop him. No one could force him out of hiding. Literally, every senator has a hideaway office and they can go hide away and no one can get him. That Capitol Police can't be sent you. You're, you are you are sovereign of your own under our Constitution, the, the separation of powers and everything else. But starting in 2009, Joe Biden gave that up. Now, Vice President, you're, you're just basically around to see if the president fails and, 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 and passes away. But, but now he's president, Joe Biden. You can't hide. You cannot become a black hole. You can't go to your hideaway. There's no hideaway when you're president. And the fact that Joe Biden is acting like a senator as president is not just incongruous. It's not just jarring. It is all both of those. It's actually causing a crisis, a world crisis, a, an American crisis. 
I told you the quote is from the American crisis. That's the name of the, of the pamphlet that Payne wrote in December of 1776. The American crisis that's being caused, and actually it's a world crisis, by Joe Biden. He still thinks he's a senator. He's acting like a senator. He's going to his hideaway office. And he's saying, you can't make me answer the phone from the prime minister of Britain. You can't make me call other leaders. You can't make me take questions from the media. I am Joe Biden. But he's not Joe Biden anymore. He's President Biden. And his decisions, he's acting like a U.S. senator. He's, and this, if, as a U.S. senator, everything he's doing is defensible. You may not like it. You wouldn't, it's not your favorite. If a, president, if, a, if a senator, you know, poor Al Franken is watching and saying, man, everybody misbehaves. And, and I had to resign, although at least Cuomo had to resign if you're Al Franken. But, you know, when you're a senator, you can, you can have a lot. Ted Kennedy, Chris Dodd, they had stories about them acting very, very inappropriately. Whether they're true or not, I don't know. But no one can remove you. No one can force you to vote or answer or do anything. If you're a senator, you can head to your hideaway and hide away. But Senator Biden, you could do that. But you're President Biden. And what you're doing now is a greater threat to the American system, to the American people, to America, than anything we've seen since, since Nixon was was holding on and what they were there was a threat that they were going to march down from from the this is much bigger than anything Trump ever did even W Bush to be honest all the war you know the wars and everything else Obama I mean some of the overreaches I could make a case but the problem is the way Biden is acting is is, is shattering confidence in our American system that's what's happening it's absolutely haunting it's beyond troubling it's a crisis. The American crisis is that President Biden thinks he's a senator and he's running to his hideaway. It, it, it's just stunning. And right now, the patriots that need to be called forward, it's not the Republicans. The Republicans can't do this. The patriots, they need to come forward. These are the times that try men's souls, Payne wrote. The summer soldier and sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of his country, but he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of men, of man and woman. The patriots that need to stand up to Senator Biden and his hideaway, they're the Democrats and they're the media. They're all their friends. They're all on the same side. They have to stand up for America. That's the American crisis. That's what's at stake. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with my old friend Mickey Kaus, at Kaus Mickey on Twitter, K-A-U-S, Kaus Mickey on Twitter. Uh, Mickey, welcome. How are you? I'm fine, Ed. Thanks. Well, so, Mickey, I walk around uh, Washington, D.C. I walk around the swamp, so you don't have to. I know you're out in California, but I walk around, and I walked around, and the other day I came upon, uh, you won't believe it, but I came upon the Quaker 
The Quakers have a their own building. It's the Friends Committee on National Legislation, and their sub subheading is lobbying with Quakers. And on the side of the building, Mickey, as you'll appreciate, they had changed. Usually they have things about war, you know, because they're Quakers and uh, peace and, you know, and all these kinds of things. Now a new sign, new billboard, make the child tax credits permanent. Big billboard on the side of the building. Now, what do we have going on here? First of all, do you have any comment on why the Quakers would be moving away from peace into lobbying on tax credits? I'm sure you do. And then explain to us what's going on here. The rest of the left is attacking Biden for not prosecuting war, so maybe they, the Quakers felt they should sit this one out. <laughs> the, um, uh, the, um, there's, there, there, you know, there's, during Trump, there was this all-hands-on-deck attitude toward the media. This threat is so important. We have to throw objectivity out the window, maybe throw truth out the window. All, everything is subsumed to the goal of, of beating Trump. And, and Trump's gone away, but that mechanism is still there. And now the mechanism is directed at the child tax credit. I mean, if you read the media with a sense of divide to it, everything is geared toward promoting this this idea and sneaking it past the American people of basically recreating the welfare system and sending checks to single moms whether they work or not. And uh, so I I would think they're just part of the the, the, uh, the, you know, the new all hands on deck conspiracy to push this thing through. And I sense they're having a little trouble. Uh, well, know, I mean, they, 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 uh, yeah, I would think they'd have trouble. But, Mickey, one of the things is in the old world, they'd have trouble because the noise by a few people, you know, you and others about it would make someone cover it. But now the conspiracy of silence is so good and so strong. You know, Fox may cover it. But uh, and by the way, we're talking about when they say the the child tax credit, really what they're talking about is a grand shift in welfare, which is no more welfare to work, uh, just send people checks. But uh, it's more a conspiracy of the silence, isn't it? I mean, usually enough people making noise, a few moderates, they would cover it. It's not being covered. Well, that, that's basically right, but it's a little worse than that because the Republicans aren't mobilizing against it the way they used to. Marco Rubio right. is, to his credit. Tom Cotton is, to his credit. Uh, uh-huh. And but, but after that, the, 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 the think tanks in Washington, which are filled with these people who think the important threat to America is a lack of birth, so we have to send checks to moms, uh, they've, they've managed to actually neutralize a bunch of uh, Republicans, shockingly, and maybe the Republicans are secretly planning to hit the Democratic congressional candidates over the head with it. I hope so. But they're not doing it publicly enough to generate enough media heat. It, it, it's in part the Republicans fault. Is um, Mickey, we're talking with Mickey Kaus at Kaus Mickey on uh, Twitter feed. Great Twitter feed. You learn a lot on it. Um, is it... Um, is it, uh, in, I, I don't mean to say it, is it intentional? Or are they looking the other way? Uh, and, and here's the question I really want to ask. You you have an instinct. I think you may also have insiders who tell you it, it's got to poll terribly, right? I mean, isn't this, isn't welfare with no work poll terribly? If you tell them that, yes. If you tell them there's a child tax credit, just calling it a tax credit is deceptive because the welfare part goes to people who pay no taxes, earn no income. It's just a it's just a check from the government, like a welfare check. It's not a tax credit. Right. They call it a tax right. credit, and they say it's a tax cut. And if you pull it like that, it pulls it pulls well on a temporary basis, but it still pulls terribly on a permanent basis. Uh, 
So right. the people are, are onto it to the extent that the this poll came out showing it was 60-30, which, as you know, in the business is a terrible poll uh, for right. making it permanent. And the, and the left sort of freaked out when they saw that. And that's the, that's the main good news that's happened is people have sort of half-wised up to the con of using this uh, temporary COVID program and making it a permanent welfare program. Um, we're talking with Mickey Kaus at Kaus Mickey on uh, Twitter. So who, nobody's leading on it. I mean, nobody's leading on it. I get Rubio and uh, Cotton, but otherwise, there's no. Uh, I mean, is there a governor out there who's saying, "Hey, wait a second, this is going to be bad for our people"? No, not that I know of. I know that all the welfare bureaucrats probably hate it, but you know, people will say, mm-hmm. "Well, that's because their bureaucracy is threatened." No, as, as as a New York Times reporter told me, you know, it's not like they don't. Know, the Republicans don't know the playbook to win on this issue. The playbook is on the shelf. All they have to do is pull right. it down and say, you're sending checks to people who don't work. That has terrible social consequences. People are going to grow up in non-working households and non-working neighborhoods and in neighborhoods without fathers because the mothers get the checks and the fathers take off. And uh, and, and, and it's a winner. I, I but, You know, it, mm-hmm. it, this program is so expensive. It's a hundred million, hundred right. billion dollars a year that they might have trouble cramming through uh, as much as they want in the, in the budget. Because the moderates are now flexing hmm. their, their muscles, you know. The Democrats. The moderate um, Democrats. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, at least in terms of the cost. Or they're, they're, they're flexing their muscles for now. I'm not sure I believe it. It's a little bit like, uh, I, you know, I, I think I've seen you tweet, Mansion and Cinema are going to save us. I, uh, ultimately, I don't think so. Right, or, or, and Gottheimer is not going to save us because they're going to buy him off with a salt tax deduction. So, uh, right. yes, you're right. Your instinct is correct. You can't rely on these people. Now, uh, Mickey Kaus, uh, 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 at Kaus Mickey on Twitter. Mickey, California, you have been a candidate in California for U.S. Senate. Um, you have uh, watched it closely. What happens in the recall? Well, it, 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 right now it looks like Newsom will go down. Uh, you know, the Republicans have all the passion and the democrats are just turning out listless voters i i i i tend to accept the conventional wisdom that as we get closer to the day there'll be enough media fuss about it that that newsom will manage to produce enough democrats to get over the line but that's the sort of conventional wisdom thing i usually say when the right before the conventional wisdom is proved wrong like i, I would say well right. Trump might win but he'll probably lose by a bit you know in 2016 <laughs> And and then he wins. So um, I, I I would say it's fifty fifty at this point. It's a very close thing. Uh, and then we and the winner in the elder is governor. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That looks that looks a little bit cleaner. I mean, there'll be some beating him up in the next three or four weeks. But it's uh, if it's just an, it looks like a name ID exercise, and you know, Caitlyn Jenner's name ID isn't going to uh, work that way. You know, well, I don't think in the, in the recall, uh, Mickey Kaus. What about what we've seen at Biden in the last five days, six days, um, the Afghanistan disaster, obviously, but in general, now you you've been an observer, close observer of politics for I don't know fifty years, so a long time, and wh- are we? looking at carter are we looking at worse than carter are we you know is 2022 going to be like uh 94 or is it going to be like 2010 or is it going to be none of the above what do you think uh well i think um we're not looking at carter Biden is a little tougher than that but we we are looking at a level of arrogance and maybe incompetence that that uh-huh. startles me for one thing i mean i i'm i, I was for the withdrawal i'm i'm in the 
I'm for the withdrawal, but right. I, I, I really can't believe it. they did it this stupidly, uh, camp. Right. And, uh, uh, so I, I, I think we're, we, 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 we're, we're looking at incompetence and we're also, we're, we're definitely looking at a huge shellacking of the Democrats in 2022. I mean, you know, I don't think they should be measuring the drapes, as you know, as you said, uh, but, you know, the, the, the Republicans are going to be running on uh, immigration, humiliation, inflation, uh, <laughs> crime, and, and critical race theory infesting the schools. And the Democrats are going to be saying, well, we, 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 we increased uh, daycare payments. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just yeah. it oozes loser. Uh, so right. uh, unless they come up with something dramatic very soon, uh, I do think that... Uh, Biden's going to be facing a very hostile house, at least. Uh, by the way, while I have you on the air and in front of the world, I'd like to ask you to go check out that tweet that I just sent you because I took Coulter's tweet uh, and and I and then I turned it into a whole segment on the radio show. And it, the segment is that Steve Saylor has been pulled into the mainstream by appearing on t- by, by being stolen. His his idea, which is invade the world, invite the world, was a Steve Saylor line that Tucker Carlson was basically using. So I I did a segment about it. I I, I tweeted about it because I think it's fantastic fun. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, Mickey. We've got, I don't know, a million or two people pouring over the southern border in this next year. And now we're talking about uh, letting 100,000, I don't know, 200,000 uh, refugees. And because of the great tragedy there, we won't have time to vet them. I mean, how, how insane is this? I mean, if you made this up and you were writing the modern day Camp of the Saints, you, you wouldn't uh, be, you wouldn't be, people would think, oh, it's, it's way too off base. It's pretty insane. I mean, you know, the, I, I just was listening to an account of, somebody who left on a plane and uh, that plane with 640 people uh, that we saw photos of, they didn't vet anybody on that plane. Okay. They didn't have time. They just, everybody go to stampede on, ran on. Uh, And and we're going to face shortcuts uh, like that wherever we uh, vet them. And if we vet them here, even if we reject them, they're not going to leave because Biden doesn't support anybody. So um, uh, I'm I'm in, uh, you know, I, I accept we need to take some, but I would draw a strict numerical limit, something around 50,000. And uh, there are other countries in the world that can take them. Well, and, you uh, know, my, my argument, Mickey, on this is that it, when we took, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand Vietnamese, uh, you know, they called them boat people back then, the people that fled Vietnam and refugees. Right. They, they stepped into an they stepped into an American education system and a, a system that was for lack of a better word, assimilating them and, and, and getting them tied to the American ethos better than we are now. I mean, so I, I just, I don't see, I don't see how it turns out well. And more importantly, as I said, the scale of it all, the border is open. Now the refugee floodgates are open. I, I mean, if we have to go through this for three more years, it, it's, it's really is going to change America. No, it's, going to change, it's going to change American society. And President, the Afghans also have a terrible reputation in Europe. That's why President Macron right. doesn't want to take any more uh, he's saying very un PC things. Maybe he, he and Steve Saylor can get together. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, they, they, there were these horrified reports uh, from two or three years ago, or maybe a little longer, uh, that the Afghans were a crime wave unto themselves, not like other refugee groups. They were just, huh. you know, there were enough bad apples in the group that it was just much, much worse. And uh, you, don't, you, you don't want to take chances bringing hundreds of thousands of those people. Uh, but, but I do yeah. think we have some obligation. You know, I mean, uh, it's weird that there's a war now between Trump and Steve Miller on whether 
whether we should take them or not. Yeah, it's true. It's the mainstreaming of Donald Trump now, too, I guess. He's trying to get to, I don't know, it's sending culture I, off yeah, the rails. I, All right, I got to run. Okay. Go ahead. Keep going. Ten, send a sympathize. No, just go ahead. Finish. You tend to sympathize with, with who? With Steve Miller in that debate. Trump's just doing anything yeah. to bash, bash Biden. I agree with you on that. I definitely agree. All right, Mickey Kaus, will I wish you'd run in a recall. You would have had a shot in the recall if it had worked out. So I, maybe, uh, just, maybe, just, maybe Larry Elder will pick. He could pick you to run something in California for a year just, or so. I, that'd be great. I just love that there's so many people who are going to do worse than I did. <laughs> that's, so. that's funny. All right. <laughs> Mickey Cows, at Cows Mickey on Twitter. Uh, we'll take a break and be right back, everybody. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is my old friend Adam Amjewski, and Adam Amjewski runs Open the Books. He's the founder and CEO of Open the Books. Go to OpenTheBooks.com, and if you go there, you'll see all kinds of reports. I've got a couple questions about some of the reports, or one of the reports I, I latched on to, Adam, but he also is um, out there. And here's the question I wanted to ask you, Adam, is that you've been doing this a while now. And you've, you know, you've seen, you've had great success. You've broken a bunch of stories. I remember when you were talking about some of the endowments that universities have, and that was a huge story. You get lots of coverage. But I imagine, knowing bureaucrats and the powerful the way I do, they've adjusted. And so are you finding that in the effort to get more transparency with uh, requests, FOIA requests and state-level uh, requests, is it getting easier? Are they changing the laws to make it harder? What's the, what is the state of your, you know, of, of transparency right now? now as you're pursuing this so we follow the money at openthebooks.com our auditors last year we found 40,000 freedom of information act requests it was the most in american history we hold the wow. entire political class republicans and democrats accountable for tax and spend decisions and then i have to say they don't like it especially in the state of california we've had to file a lawsuit to start the process of enforcing transparency law in the golden state the controller, Betty Yee, she refuses to turn over even a single transaction of where California state government spent taxpayer money last year. Look, it's $320 billion. They won't provide us even a single transaction. And uh, so we sued them, and, and uh, summary judgment is on September 10th, and we expect to win that case. Hmm. Um, now, uh, Adam, on that case in California, because the show originates in California, will will you get? Um, you won't get a ruling though in time. The election is three or four days later, so I, there's not, that's not going to be resolved until after the uh, recall, right? We are. You know, so the briefs have been filed, and the brief from the California controller Betty Yee is completely deficient. We're going to get a lot of national press on what they said. They actually admit that they, they still have uh, their data stored on magnetic tapes in the Golden State, the uh. state of Silicon Valley. They're <laughs> using magnetic tapes, Ed. Wow. Wow. Uh, we're talking with Adam Anchevsky again, openthebooks.com. Hey, I want to point people towards a report that published just a few days ago, I think uh, uh, Wednesday, August 18th. 
um, open the books oversight report on foreign aid. Now, it's better to be lucky than good, Adam. I don't know how you were able to get this published right in the middle of what is just a debacle of American, you know, uh, feckless leadership, Joe Biden and Afghanistan. But I'm reading the top 10 takeaways. U.S. gives more money in foreign aid than any other country in the world. I think we kind of intuitively knew that. But now the next one, the U.S. spent at least $282 billion more than that, on foreign aid between 2013 and 2018. Again, uh, how'd you, by the way, how'd you get the timing of this? Did you, did, you have to think, did you just have this thing ready to go, or what was it just lucky? Well, some, sometimes, you, you know, the report just hits the news cycle. We knew Afghanistan was going to go south. I mean, from all indications, it looked like, fe- you know, completely feckless leadership from the Biden administration. So we had this report ready, and we decided to launch it two weeks ago. And amazingly, it's just hit uh-huh. the news cycle perfectly. The American taxpayer has been very generous with foreign countries. So we give foreign aid to about 170 countries around the world. And Afghanistan, of course, received the most money. And and it's not even close. So in terms of direct foreign aid, they receive $6 billion a year. When you add up all sources, according to Donald Trump, Afghanistan alone was receiving $44 billion a year. Now, Ed, if To put that in context, that is such a tremendous amount of money that only two state governments out of 50 receive more federal aid than what we were providing to Afghanistan. And so here's the question that I have after the last couple of weeks. How is it that everything built in Afghanistan collapsed so quickly? You know, Ed, I'm from Illinois. It is the Super Bowl of corruption. But this Afghanistan looks like <laughs> corruption on right. steroids. These are legalized money right. laundering schemes for 20 years to fleece the American taxpayer. Well, and, and, you know, in the same report, Adam Andjavsky, open the books.com, go to their reports and click through another one on this, you know, as you point out, $6 billion in, in uh, a year in Afghanistan. But that, that only gets to the start of it because at least $9.7 billion into the UN system, which a lot of that money is going into places like Afghanistan and others. I mean, we know that the corruption is there. I mean, the, the beauty of what you do is point it out and hopefully people chase, you know, journalists say, oh, good, now I can see it. I'll chase this to the end. That's the next question, Adam. When you started doing this, again, Adam Andrzejewski, the, the founder and CEO of OpenTheBooks.com, you, you know, I, I know your background. I know you. I, you. You wanted to get to the bottom. You saw this waste. You're from Illinois. You could see it and feel it. But at this point, um, it must sort of, you must shake your head because you require to make this really work one of two groups to be really active. One that I know is active for you is citizen activists who say, oh, what? They're doing that? I want to get involved. But the second one is the media. And the media is so broken, I, I, I got to say, you're probably not getting the kind of coverage you would have gotten 25 years ago when the media was perhaps still left-leaning, but they were sort of intellectually honest. Well, and thanks to your program and many others, we're able to get some eyeballs on these findings. For example, you just hit on a major point of our report, and everybody listening to the program, they can come to OpenTheBooks.com, and you can download a free copy of this U.S. foreign aid report for yourselves. It's a free download of the PDF. But you mentioned, Ed, the nearly $10 billion annually into the United Nations on dues and their related organizations. That's a number nobody's been able to quantify. Nobody was able to tie out this number. I'm really proud of our auditors. We tracked this down with official uh, documents over the course of months to put this together. It's $10 billion a year of U.S. treasure from taxpayers into the U.N. and its 
58 related organizations every single year. Wow. It's uh, so. But back to my question, Uh, are you frustrated that you can't get more coverage? Because some of this is not Republican or Democrat, conservative or, or liberal. It's just corruption. And, you know, I think part of the dynamic right now is the the media will cover nothing that's uh, to the advantage of of the conservative side, which is uh, look in the biggest cities in this country, Chicago, St. Louis, where I'm from, Washington D.C. Th- they're dominated by Democrats, and there's the most egregious abuse. And you just don't see the coverage. Well, we you know at OpenTheBooks.com we've got a great nonpartisan reputation because I quite frankly I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats if they're lying, cheating, or stealing. Right. We're going to try to expose them and stop the behavior. So this year, we've been able to partner twice with organizations like USA Today on the American Rescue Act, on the oversight there. The USA Today did a great piece. They included all of our data and even bought a frame that there was a ton of waste in the bill. It was a tremendous piece that they published in the newspaper. Uh, Hmm. uh, uh, CNBC, their program American Greed, uh, they uh, they did a uh, program on the con in Congress, and it was and it was former disgraced Congressman Duncan Hunter. And we weighed in on that, yes, Duncan Hunter, and this was before Trump, unfortunately, pardoned him, but Duncan Hunter, even though he was uh, sentenced, was going to serve time in, in the penitentiary, he was going to get a $1.2 million congressional pension payout. Uh, and so, you know, wow. we're able to, I think, cut through in terms of, in terms of a, a cross-section of national media, and I'm, I'm proud of that. It is. Uh, I mean, I think, I think you're right. The swamp is not. Uh, it's not. It's, it's unipartisan. There's not one side to it. So it's right. Uh, what do you have coming? Can you give us any uh, preview? And again, we send people to OpenTheBooks.com. Lots of reports. Lots of background. Well, any anything you want to tease us on that's coming down the line? Yeah, I mean, we're really working really hard to try to get this up for tomorrow, and I don't know if we can quantify it. But the but the weaponry left behind in Afghanistan, we're trying to put a dollar figure on that. We're trying to put together a super credible estimate of the U.S. treasure left behind in the country of Afghanistan. Because you can see you can see what it was. You mean you got kind of have a list. You were able to find lists and things that will give you some sense. And then you're trying to put it together. Is that what you have to do? That's right. So we've got uh, reporting from Associated Press and Reuters and Fox and a few other sources that list the counts of the weaponry uh, left behind. And we know, uh, you know, we're trying to put the cost of that weaponry together. Uh, it's just a mathematics project, and, and hopefully we're close right. to tying it all out. Wow. Okay, well, we'll look forward to it. Listen, Adam Manjewski, thank you for your time. As always, again, the, the website is openthebooks.com. There's a lot of there there, and I can tell you you can contact them through their website. You could support them by donating to them, by the way, too, but you can contact them and say, hey, I saw this in my community, that community. They're a great uh, resource, too. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. Ed, you're the best. Thank you very much. All right. We'll talk again very soon. We'll take a break, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. One of the most influential men in American history, is someone you probably never heard of before. Even though you'll not see his face anywhere or hear his name very often, his ideas have led to some of the most potent, 
and sinister political attacks on conservatism in our time. This man was a major influence on the life and work of President Obama. He was the subject of Hillary Clinton's senior thesis in college. His legacy lives on today in the media and the progressive left. This mysterious power player's name is Saul Alinsky. His book, Rules for Radicals, is still the playbook for leftists today, and conservatives would do well to identify the tactics that they employ against we the people. One of the core tenets of Alinsky's rules is that ridicule is man's most potent weapon. You don't have to look far to see how ridicule is used in the political arena to minimize and demonize conservatives. Donald Trump is a prime example of this. While the left spends a lot of time criticizing his every move, you may notice that they spend even more of their time mocking him. They certainly do not do this because they are fun-loving people. The reason behind this is Alinsky's rule. By employing the weapon of ridicule, they give Trump and his ideas the appearance of being laughable and not worth taking seriously. As an added bonus, it makes anyone who agrees with Trump look foolish by association. Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals is not just a tome from history. It details the strategies that liberals use all the time. And there's a reason that you'll never see Alinsky's books make the claim that the key to winning the hearts and minds of the American people is with better ideas. That's because leftists know they can't win on that front. And conservatives should not be flustered when the left resorts to meeting facts with ridicule. Follow the lead of great conservatives like President Donald Trump, and don't allow the others to laugh off the facts and logic supporting the firm convictions that you hold. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the best way to rekindle the spirit of Phyllis Schlafly and the grassroots movement she energized? In this digital age, patriots and pro-family Americans can find insight and inspiration on our website, phyllisschlafly.com. Then, share your own heart and mind on social media. So join us at phyllisschlafly.com and every weekday for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we're having a debate in this country right now about um, whether we should take in thousands, tens of thousands of refugees um, from Afghanistan and other places. This is an ongoing conversation. The whole refugee system has been corrupted. It's been abused. In the case of Afghanistan right now, the fear we should have, a real fear, is whether there'll be any vetting, any significant vetting. But I would like to point out that we are at a point where we have so ridiculously positioned ourselves in terms of the conversation conversation about immigration, about migration, about refugees, that it's actually insane. And the rest of the world is not insane. So for example, I don't know if you noticed, but um, you will when I tell you, uh, Afghanistan has 47 miles of border along the Chinese uh, border. Okay, Afghanistan up against China, 47 miles, not that many miles. But you know what China doesn't let anybody come in? They don't allow it to be a wide open border. Did you know that? How about this one? When Belarus started sending people in from their country, I think through from other countries through their country into Poland, you know what they did the other day? They sent troops to the border and they will not let people invade their country. This is what normal people do. Now, I will concede to you that it is America is special because everybody wants to be here. 
So I will my concession to you is that everybody in the world wants to be in America. So we have a bigger problem than the rest of the world. I'm not sure how many people are rushing to get into Afghanistan from China, probably zero. I'm not sure how many people in Afghanistan are rushing to go into China, in part because if you go into China at the area that is uh, abutting uh, uh, China and uh, Afghanistan, that's where the, a lot of the Uyghurs are, the Muslim Uyghurs, and they're being put in uh, camps, at least by reports, uh, concentration camps. So it's hard to feel good if you're Afghanistani and you're a Muslim, you say, I'll go across the border there. Chinese probably aren't going to be too friendly. So I, I, I all I'm, I, I want to concede that everything is different because we are America. But that doesn't mean that everything about the decisions we can make are different from other people's. Meaning, if you have a nation, the nation has to have borders. If you have a nation, it has to have a system for citizens, for having citizens, for gaining citizens, even in the history of the world, for expelling people and renouncing, uh, taking away their citizenship. That happens, by the way. There is such a thing. In fact, there's a, such a thing as if people get citizenship in some way that is fraudulent. There used to be citizens who would come to the uh, people who would come to America and over time get citizenship and turn out that they were, say, a Nazi guard. There was one of those in Ohio recently, not recently, the last 10 years or so, and he got uh, deported even though he had been validly processed through the system uh, of citizenship, when that fact was found, he he was tossed out. But again, back to my example, the Poles, the Polish uh, sent their soldiers down there and there's no rioting. There's no Antifa. There's no uh, wholesale, uh, 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 you know, kind of uh, demanding of a different choice. No, that's the way it is. That's the way it goes. And I've been to Poland. And if you talk to the Poles, they actually are happy to have people come to Poland on visas, work visas and stay for a couple of years and then leave. They just aren't going to let it be illegal and they're going to let people stay all the time. Now, in America, there's a couple of reasons that the, the problem of refugees, illegals, uh, immigration that's un, unvetted. There's a couple of problems that are different than the rest of the world. Are you ready for one of them? One of them is the number one reason that you can know that something is going to happen. And that is follow the money. Follow the money. There are tens of millions of dollars given to entities in America to assist, quote unquote, refugees. So you get people and you get companies and organizations and churches that say, oh yeah, we'll help with the refugees. You get a big check, you get $100,000 to help with a refugee family. You get to employ a social worker, employ a secretary, employ a director, whatever. And the system has developed all around that. And so what happens if you are, say, Catholic Charities of America, an entity formed to help the poor, ostensibly? No, 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 that's not fair. Uh, Catholic Charities was formed to help the poor, period. That's a good thing. Well, over time, lots and lots of money flows to Catholic Charities to help refugees. And pretty quickly, the Catholic Charities say to each other and to their elected officials and to the president and to the governor and to the mayor, hey, if we got more refugees, we could do more good work. Let's get more. And all you can see already that it, it, it's, it's, again, it's not automatically corrupting. I don't question do-gooders' hearts. I question the system that continues to allow an expansion of something that may or may not be good for America. That's the question. And we're not having that debate right now. Try. I've done it, by the way. Try. Go on to radio or TV. And I've done it and say, yeah, I don't really want to let refugees in. They're, oh, whoa. The Afghanis stood next to us. They were our fighters. We have to honor that. Well, that's different to me. Those aren't refugees. Those would be some I would call those people that that served in the war with us. There's a tradition for that. But it does. It's not clear to me 
when I see 650 people packed into a C-117 and when they land somewhere outside of Afghanistan, they're all Afghanis. Someone says, how'd you get on the plane? They say, we just got on. No one asked them who they were. If they worked for uh, us on our side, you get the point. Not a good system. Not a good system. The rest of the world laughs at us. All right. Thank you, as always, to our great technical director, the producer of the show, Noah Dingley, also Joanna for helping us book guests, and you for listening. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com to get all these interviews right there and sign up for the daily email. I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.